0: Hello, and welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. Thanks for joining us.
1: If you've been around Oasis uh, for a, a few years, you'll know that in 2019 through to 2020, we started a series in the Book of John. Now, at this point, we're not now pressing play. Uh, to continue where we kind of stopped in March 2020, but rather we're going to look at it through a lens of Jesus' invitation in John 10.10, where he says that he's come to bring life to you and to me, uh, whether we're in the room, whether we're online, whether we're watching at a different point, whether we know something of Jesus, when we think we know nothing of Jesus, that he's come in order that we could know life and life in full. And it's that that we want to look at, because as we continue in the book of John, what we're going to discover is John begins to paint a picture of what that life in full looks
0: like. Today's reading is from St. John's Gospel, chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. Jesus replied, You do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, then you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you were clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that it was why, he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? he asked them. You call me teacher and lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus predicts his betrayal. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you'll believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you're about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. Since Judas was in charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast, or to give something to the poor. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself. And will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, Where are you going? Jesus replied, Where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the cock crows, You will disown me three times.
1: the bar's just been raised, hasn't it, for a Bible reading? That was outstanding. Thank you very much. Uh, Can I just add on my welcome as well to this morning? Uh, To those in the room, to those online, welcome to Oasis Church. And also if you're watching on Catch Up, um, my name's Alice. I'm part of the Oasis family. um, And I've got the privilege of taking us through the next bit of John. So John 13. Uh, We're doing a series at the moment, exploring the gospel of John and discovering how Jesus wants us to live life and live it to the full. Um, guys in the room that are below the age of 18 but above the age of 11 and those of you online that are watching you'll have received a little whatsapp some stuff for you to be doing while uh, listening to this talk just to keep you engaged so um, check your phones never normally do encourage people to check their phones in church but you know why not we've, we've landed today at John 13 Now, some clever Bible people describe the book of John in two halves. The first half, chapter 1 to 12, explore the identity and the glory of Jesus, the miracles he performed, showing Jesus to be this promised Messiah, the saviour of the world, the son of God. And throughout the book, we can see that Jesus performs a miracle and then he explains the miracle and what we can learn about God through that miracle. So you can see why people have really bought into This idea that Jesus has come, he's the Messiah, he's going to defeat the Romans, he's going to rule and reign as king. It's easy for them to worship and welcome him as he arrives in Jerusalem. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the king that Adrian explored with us last week. But now it's time for a scene change, isn't it? You know, like when the music stops, there's a twist in the storyline, and you think, wait, I thought I knew what was going on here, I thought this guy was going to sort it. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. From chapter 13, things seem to take a turn as we walk through Jesus' final days on this earth. We see this king who came riding into Jerusalem, being worshipped and praised by people, then ends up being betrayed by one of his closest friends, broken, beaten, and hung out to die on a cross. The book even seems to slow down. Chapters 1 to 12 look at the three years of his ministry, lots happening. But yet 13 to 21 really slow down, almost hour by hour, shying away from the pain that's to come in Jesus' eventual death on the cross. These next couple of chapters are like a deeper explanation that Jesus is giving his disciples of what's to come. An explanation of the miracle that they're going to see. Who is this man, Jesus? Have you ever been to someone's house and missed the cue that your shoes were going of to come off, and you all of a sudden find yourself in the middle of the living room, shoes still on, thinking, how am I going to extract myself from this situation? Well, I'm not going to lie, that cue isn't actually missed in our house. I once received a call from some friends uh, that were on their way over for dinner, and en route they called me to say, It's okay that we're bringing our puppy, right? He can't be left alone. Nervous laughter followed on the phone as I hung up and turned around to look at our flat. Those of you that will have been in our flat know that it kind of radiates cream. (laughs) Cream, beautiful carpets, cream, comfy sofas. How was I going to explain this to my housemate Susie, who had beautifully interior-designed this cream flat? Needless to say, this dog was met in the hallway, carried through to the kitchen, where he had a fabulous evening, and I didn't get kicked out of the house. A bit like taking your shoes off at at the door is a commonplace in our culture. In the Middle East, foot washing was what was done on arrival at someone's house for dinner. Roads are dusty and dry, and the footwear was, for the most part, sandals, if not barefoot. And so it was often the job of the servants, or even the women of the house, to wash the feet of the guest. Because, let's be real, it's a gross job. So what does the Son of God that we've been learning about over these last 12 chapters do in this situation? The Messiah, the King who came riding into Jerusalem whilst the people cried, Hosanna. So he got up from the meal, took off his jacket, wrapped a towel around his waist. I mean, I like to be visual, don't I? I had to find one that would wrap around my waist. He gets water and he pours it into a basin. I'm not going to do that because I would make a flood. And gets down on his knees and begins to wash the disciples' feet, washing them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Philippians 2 said, Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, being he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Who is this man, Jesus? Who is this king? Jesus puts himself on a level of those looked down on in society, servants, slaves, women. And from that position of kneeling on the floor, he washes the feet of his friends and those who turn out to be his enemies. What is this about? Did they just have such disgusting feet that he thought he'd got to take it into his own hands and sort this situation out? No, this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, this demonstration of a sacrificial, costly love, is the explanation of the miracle that we're going to see on Good Friday. This wasn't a denial of the miracles and the truth of who Jesus was in the chapters that we've seen before. The Son of God, the Messiah, the one who raised the dead and gave sight to the blind. This wasn't an undoing of any of that. This was the foundation of that. And it wasn't false humility either. Oh, don't worry about little old me. No, Jesus knew exactly who he was. The passage starts off Jesus knew that the Father, I'm going to get up because I've done my knee in this morning because I went for a run. (laughs) It, It wasn't false humility. The passage starts off, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, being rooted in this truth and driven on by his mission to love them to the end, or in other translation, to the utmost, completed, whole, fulfilled. This was the fruit of this love. Healing the sick, raising the dead, washing the feet was not born out of self-promotion, a defense of his identity, his rights, his privileges. No, it was in fact the fruit of his love caused him to give up everything he was entitled to and getting down on his knees, humbling himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now this is not a walk all over me, tepid, tolerant kind of love. This is not. There's no you do you when Jesus looks you in the eye as he kneels on the floor and washes your feet. His life and his ministry spoke of a love that fought for justice, truth, and righteousness. Some of you are using the Lectio 365 um, word for the day, and it's been really how I found it really helpful this year to just track each day a little little verse of encouragement and reflection on it. But we were reminded recently through the Lectio. Um, passages, a story of Rosa Parks, a woman whose faith gave her the courage to refuse to give up her bus seat to a white person when the law of the time treated black people as second-class citizens. An act that sparked the Montgomery bus boycott as part of the civil rights movement that is part of an ongoing, an ongoing now fight for racial equality. She says, I instantly felt God give me the strength to endure whatever would happen to me next. God's peace flooded my soul and my fear melted away. All people were made in the eyes of God and equal. The love of God, the love of Jesus caused Rosa Parks to know who she was, the worth that she had in the eyes of her Heavenly Father, and that she couldn't just roll over and be a doormat. Brene Brown says we need more real love, gritty, dangerous, wild eyed, justice seeking love. Because if you remember, Jesus' ministry in the first half of John is underpinned by a love that turned over tables in the temple when he saw the poor being exploited. A love that fought against those who promoted discrimination and exclusion. A love that looked the rejected in the eyes and said, turn away from the life you're living, the sin you've been chasing after, and come and follow me. Because he loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. In allowing our feet to be washed, we allow Jesus to see us and love us for all that we are. And then we allow him to show us the way that we should be living, washing off the grime and the dirt, healing the calluses and the blisters, recognizing those scars that hurt, and showing us the flesh beneath that he lovingly designed and created. How does that make you feel? The thought of Jesus getting down and washing your feet. I just love Peter. He's the verbal processor that I'm just not. But he says what we're all thinking. Jesus, no, don't wash my feet. Now, when I read it, what I feel is, Jesus, you can't. You're holy, I'm dirty. You're spotless, I'm messy. You're whole and I'm broken. Don't touch me. It makes you vulnerable to be washed. It exposes the truth to look at the creator of the world. Let him see who you really are and allow him to make you clean. Jesus, unfazed by Peter's horror, what was happening? Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. You need me, Peter. You need me to let me do this. You let me heal you. I see you for all that you are. For the fact that you didn't shower this morning and your feet stink. For the fact that you're battling to forgive. For the fact that your words and your actions are hurting others and yourself. For the fact you have doubted who I am. I see you and I choose you. Let me take off your shoes. Jesus invites us to let him wash us clean. In his death on the cross, the pouring out of his blood in that death that was symbolized as we took communion together last week. Some of you for the first time having done that. He paid the cost of our sin and the mess and the hurt. And now the call is to come and follow me. Let me show you a way of living life to the full. So Peter goes on with this logic. If my feet are to be washed, and that gains me a relationship with Jesus, well, maybe if I'm washed all over, I'll be like super spiritual. I'll get all the holy points. If I pray harder, if I'm super nice, and wait, 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 wait. Patient as ever, Jesus corrects him. I've done it all. You're clean. No, there's nothing, Peter, you can do to make me love you more or less. It's not about you. It's about me. Now, this is uncomfortable to a generation that created the selfie. It's not about you. It's about me and the work that I'm doing in you. The fruit that follows in you is also about me. There is nothing you could do to make me love you more or less. Jesus' spirit in us is enough. His body broken is enough. His love is complete Those who have a bath need only to wash their feet, their whole body is clean. This word of, this work of justification, posh word, or in other words, choosing Jesus and being made right and whole with him is complete and finished. The process then follows of another posh word, sanctification, or having that grime and muck washed off our feet daily, revealing that God, the God-made child of God, such beneath all this process of muck and grime, an ongoing process that requires regular foot washing. But each time we come back into his presence, often with the same muck as before, the same blisters in the same places, his grace reminds us of who he is and who he's calling us to be. There's a hidden cost in the midst of this picture of sacrificial love. You see, it's easy to love someone when they love you back, right? What about when we don't choose Jesus? Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Jesus knew Peter was going to pretend he didn't know him to save his own skin. Right when Jesus needed him most, Peter was going to make as much distance between him and Jesus as possible. And not only Peter, Judas was there too. The man he called friend trusted so much that the passage tells us he was trusted with the money. Do you have friends that close that you would trust them with the PIN number to your savings account? The Judas who handed him over to the religious leaders in the ultimate act of betrayal in exchange for 30 pieces of silver. Not what his life was worth. His friend for some money. But yet Jesus still washes his friend's feet. Recently, I heard Tom Wright, the professor and theologian, recount a story of a Sunday school class where the time between Jesus dying and rising from the dead was discussed. What was he doing in that time? Maybe he'd gone down to hell, and if so, what what was he doing down there? The response from a child was he was trying to find his friend Judas. And I'm not making any theological statement from that, but let's not forget, Judas was not Jesus' enemy, he was his friend. In verse 21, when Jesus, when, Judas, when Jesus is talking about Judas' betrayal, John describes that Jesus becomes troubled in spirit. The only other time that John describes that word, or uses that word troubled, is when Jesus is confronted with the death of his friend Lazarus. Troubled doesn't quite cut it as a word. Love costs Jesus everything, even his very life. And yet he doesn't give it based on our response. He gave it in spite of Judas' response. Romans 5 verse 8 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't wait for us to prove that we were going to follow him and only then agree to die. No, while we were still far, far from him, denying and rejecting him. Me, a follower of Jesus, you must be thinking of someone else. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died. For me and for you, what a love! I've asked Jackie just to come up and uh, read a spoken word um, written by um, uh, uh, Reverend Lisa in the in the U.S. Hopefully, that should be on. It doesn't skimp on the um, realities of the messiness of the story. I've not laboured too much the, the thought of dirty feet but it places in the, in the story because it's easy to think of these characters as separate to us, isn't it? These were a long time ago. I wasn't there that night. Jesus wouldn't wash my feet, would he? Jesus, you kneel before me. You remove my shoes and I'm exposed. My feet are grimy, full of calluses and cracks, pungent with sweat and toe jam. I'm embarrassed by them. I pull back, but you reassure. You're not offended. I feel welcome in your hands. Vulnerable, yet safe. The cleansing begins. I see your reflection in the ripples. I see me too. Your water brings truth and life. Who I am and who I can be. I am whole and home in the touch, the towel, you look at my neighbor and hand it to me. That's right. Who I am and who I can be. He dries my feet with a towel, looks at my neighbor and hands the towel to me. This is life, life to the full. To know first that we are loved. Corrie Ten Boom, the Holocaust survivor and follower of Jesus says, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Maybe today you're in the position of Peter. God, you can't see me in my brokenness, my doubts and my fears, those painful moments. Tish Harrison Warren, another vicar in the US, describes Jesus meeting her in her place of agony, doubt, and grieving in a particular situation that she was going through. And this is where she sees Jesus, in that place. The hope God offers us is this. He will keep close to us, even in darkness, in doubt, in fear and vulnerability. He does not promise to keep bad things from happening. He promises that we will not be left alone. He will keep watch with us in the night. If we suffer deeply and there's no explanation, no reason, no answer that can ease our heartbreak, the only comfort that can do anything is the comfort of feeling yourself loved. In the end, that's what I needed to know. God's love is deeper than anything that we could ever imagine. Let him come and wash your feet. Maybe some of you this morning want to be rushing on to the response of being handed that towel. To follow that is hard, but we can only do that once we've received God's love. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. Someone reminded me this week that love is listed in Galatians as a fruit of the Spirit, something that is born out in us from the Spirit that is in us. We need to know we are loved before we can show that we're loved. We're going to finish with an opportunity to respond to this love. God's been speaking so much this morning. I even thought I might get away with not having to preach because God was on the move this morning, but unfortunately not. Anyway. There's an opportunity now to respond to this love. I don't know where you are this morning, I don't know where you, where you find yourself, where you're landing, but there's an invitation here to allow your feet to be washed. There's a vulnerability to that, an exposing that happens when your shoes come off and you allow God to touch those areas of your life that are hurting and broken. We're going to sing a song, Reckless Love, a lot of you will be familiar with. And we sing the words, reckless love. This is not a cavalier, you know, once of all, whatever, come as you are, fine, whatever, sort of a reckless. The line says, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. This is an intentional choosing, choosing you kind of love. If that's if something that's particularly you need to work through, I'd encourage you to work through within a community, because this is not something we should do on our own. There's some of us here that you'll see Mike, myself, Adrian around. We'd love to pray with you. If this is something that you feel God's speaking to you about, you just need a touch of His love this morning, but that feels really vulnerable and you want someone to stand with you in that. Please, please come and find us. We'll be loitering around at the back even while we sing this song. Okay? Jesus is here and He's wanting to meet with each one of you. He's got something He wants to say. Let's allow our feet to be washed.